0: All right. Happy 4th of July, everybody. That smoke in the air is not wildfire. It's uh, it's remnants of fireworks. And uh, it's kind of refreshing to know that the smoke in the air is actually going to uh, blow out in, in, in a finite amount of time. Uh, probably tomorrow. It's probably going to get uh, worse today. Obviously, it's 4th of July. It's an ozone action day. No one's going to listen to that. People are going to let off their fireworks. They're going to, uh, they're going to uh, have their barbecues uh, because this is America, and we're going to celebrate her. Uh, and uh, you know, I heard, I heard on the news coming in today that uh, grilling with charcoal on an ozone action day is no big deal. Just, uh, just watch it on the lighter fluid. All right. So, uh, two-year-old Winter Smith is still missing. If you remember, yesterday. Early, early morning, the Amber Alert went out when a 26-year-old Rashad twice allegedly kidnapped her from her Lansing home. Trice was uh, taken into custody yesterday morning in St. Clair Shores after a high-speed chase where he crashed into a police car and injured police officers. Um, and uh, Winter Smith was not in the vehicle. And uh, the, the pictures that you're seeing on the news are absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, it's just a, a an adorable beautiful child who's the epitome of innocence and and uh any anyone who would hurt or victimize a a child that young. Well, there's not not words strong enough for them on in the English uh dictionary and even if there was, I wouldn't be able to say them here on the uh on the radio. Um, so Trice is Winter Smith's, uh, mother's boyfriend. Uh, family members said that the couple got into an argument where Trice stabbed the mother multiple times. She's in the hospital in stable condition. She stabbed him back and then Trice, uh, took off with Winter Smith in her mother's car. Trice, he's not the biological father and he's not cooperating with police. Police have actually a, uh, released A map of of his route um, from Lansing to St. Clair Shores where he was uh, arrested by police. He traveled along I-96 until it dead-ended into 94 and then he shot up 94 on the east side to uh, St. Clair Shores and police are asking anybody who may have seen something between 11-15 Sunday evening and 1 a.m. Monday morning. To call the FBI tip line at one eight hundred call FBI. Like Tom was saying yesterday on on JR Morning, if you can't remember that phone number, call nine one one. They're also asking folks um, who may live along those routes, asking folks who may live al- around uh, along those service drives to check their ring cameras for um, any evidence. Um, it's been. More than 24 hours since uh, people, anyone has last seen two-year-old Wintersmith. And obviously, the longer she's missing, the uh, more the worry grows. So keep an eye out. We're going to be uh, updating you on this throughout the morning. And hopefully we have some good news to report. Israel has launched a series of airstrikes and troops into Janine in the West Bank leaving a number of Palestinians dead. Fox's Jeff Paul with the latest. Israel says they don't intend to expand on what they are calling a focused military operation. In fact, army officials say they are targeting terrorists and terrorism groups, and this is not any sort of occupation. Now, this all started on Monday when Israeli forces carried out drone strikes and used hundreds of troops that had their sights set on the West Bank city of Janine. Specifically, their attention was at a refugee camp known as the Janine Camp. Israeli forces insist the mission is based solely on weeding out terror groups concealing themselves within the refugee camp. In Israeli, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu um, saw a clip of one of his speeches yesterday saying that if Israel... Um, exercises their right to defend themselves this this conflict allegedly started after um a number of attacks on israelis um that the united states will 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 stand with them what what standing with them looks like i don't know is it going to be moral support from afar is it going to be providing weapons providing ammunition providing um training to israeli troops I don't think it's going to be boots on the ground, but uh, just another international conflict to watch where the United States may or may not get involved in. All right, so you might have seen this headline floating around social media since the weekend. It's a Fox News headline that says Michigan House passed a bill that could make using wrong pronouns a felony finable of up to $10,000. And, and what this is, this is, uh, House Bill number 4474. Go ahead and look it up. It is, uh, an amendment to already existing hate crime legislation that, um, lists a number of protected characteristics, uh, against intimidation and harassment. And the already existing characteristics are race and color, religion, sex, physical or mental disability, age, ethnicity, national origin, and so these are protected groups. These are protected classes against intimidation and harassment. It's already it's it's already a felony and finable of up to ten thousand dollars to harass anybody or intimidate anybody based on these characteristics. So what this bill is, it's, it's, it's an amendment. And it's not a law, but chances are it will pass because we have uh, a Democrat uh, House, Senate, and Governor. But I'm not sure where they're getting um, this notion that calling someone the wrong pronouns is going to um, be a felony. Here is the actual... Um, here is the actual language of the bill. First of all, do a a, a search on this with uh, Control F. Look for the name pronoun word pronouns. It's not in there. The bill says that uh, anyone who intimidates or harasses another individual causes bodily injury or severe mental anguish to another individual uses force or violence on another individual damages, destroys or defaces any real personal, digital or online property of another individual or threatens by word or act to do any of the above described actions. If the person, regardless of the existence of any other motivating factors, Intentionally targets the individual or engages in the action based in whole or in part or on any of the following actual or perceived characteristics of another individual. And then it's, it's, it's the, uh, characteristics that I just, uh, read off to you. And, and so again, I, I don't know where people are gleaning calling someone by the wrong pronouns, uh, is going to make you a felon. It might make you a jerk if you do it on purpose, but being a jerk is not a felony. And I think what people are, are, are getting hung up on is intimidate or harass. What does that mean? You know, oh, if, if you follow this to its, its worst hypothetical possible conclusion, um, you can classify intimidates or you can classify calling someone the wrong pronoun, um, as intimidation or harassment. Not really. In the billet, it outlines what intimidate and harass means. It means a willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, intimidated, threatened, harassed, molested, and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, intimidated, threatened, harassed, or molested. And so you know the people who are uh, you know trying to sell panic are going to say, "Well, that's that's all very vague." But they said repeated. They said reasonable person feeling threatened, threats of violence. Um, and, and I mean, religion, sex, race, or color. The rules are already in place. For those characteristics. And I haven't heard of anybody becoming a felon or facing a $10,000 fine for accidentally calling someone, um, the wrong age or the wrong ethnicity. I haven't even heard of somebody, um, becoming a felon for using a racial slur. So I don't know where you jump to the conclusion that, uh, you know, adding sexual orientation and gender identity to a protected class that you're not allowed to harass or intimidate people because they belong to that class. I don't know where you, you, you get the notion that accidentally calling someone the wrong pronouns or even deliberately calling someone the wrong pronouns, um, is, is going to get you charged with a felony. Must have been a small, uh, a slow news day on foxnews.com and they needed the clicks. I'm late. It's First Thing with Mike Parsons. All right, so it's 4th of July, and you're hitting the road. So what are you listening to, besides WJR, of course? Rock and roll historian Scott Shea, Chris Renwick, and Brian Morton discussed the best road trip songs on JR Afternoon.
1: Well, I think uh, good music moves like a vehicle, right? It's just almost like a good book. You know, it just it moves, and anything good has to move. And uh, what better way to uh, help you you move? From one place to one point to another than a a song that has a a toe tap and beat and 120 beats per minute or whatever the ratio is, Uh, you know, and there's there's plenty of great summer songs out there. And I don't know. Summer just seems to be more than any other season. I think it's a it's a it's freedom. From when you're a kid, it's freedom from school. You know, when you when you get older, it's a, yeah, you have designated time that you can go and take a vacation, and it, it's all good. And you can go outside and enjoy the air more than enjoy the weather than you can more than any other season, I think.
2: What what are what what makes a good road trip song? Because I think it's got to be upbeat. It's got to be something catchy. It's got to be something easy. You don't want to be listening to, you know, Tool or something as you're driving down the road and trying to figure out what time signature they're in, uh, from one mile marker to another. But what what makes a good summer road trip song?
1: Well, it's got to have a catchy melody you know, uh, like any other hit song, but it's got to have a catchy melody and a great intro. Uh, Compelling lyrics are good, but they're definitely not necessary. You know, I would think of songs like it's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. I mean, that's not great lyrics, but, you know, (laughs) easy enough. (laughs) It gets people, gets people uh, remembering the summer, you know, and, and, you know, things that incorporate summer elements like the beach and the ocean, sun, girls and guys, you know, Um, but also, you know, I like, myself i like those more kind of bittersweet summer songs that you know bring back memories of first loves or summer's past i think of songs like suddenly last summer by the motels or sitting on the dock of the bay by otis redding or tender years by john caffrey and the Beaver brown bands there's all sorts of summer songs out there
2: well, what do you make songs. of uh, sure yeah and and you know it's funny because i think that that I don't know that musicians necessarily craft songs for certain periods of time, and and I mean seasons or or things like that. Now, sometimes that's the case, but do you think that musicians and and obviously you've talked to to a whole plethora of them do they do they consider uh, the 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 popularity as at a certain time of year when they're writing their music?
1: I would imagine to some they do, but I think to most of them um you know, I think they're just trying to write a a good song, something trying to get something out, you know, like I don't like Bob Dylan's considered, you know, by many to be the greatest Rock and roll songwriter of all time. I don't know that he necessarily wrote songs for summer, you know, or Lennon McCartney or Brian. Well, Brian Wilson, (laughs) you know, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. I for sure think he, he just had California in mind. And I mean, you say the same thing, same thing for John Phillips with the California Dream, and John and Michelle wrote that song. Uh, and they had clearly had California in mind. They, they wrote it on a winter's day in 1963. And, um, you know, it, they they were in New York and Greenwich Village and longing for warmer temperatures and, uh, you know, following a dream. So I think, it, you know, at times there are I don't think it's a I don't think it's a hard and fast rule, but uh, for sure, I think sometimes they do. And but I think for the most part, they're just trying to write a good song, trying to write something, trying to express themselves in some way.
2: So what are the big songs this year uh, for this summer? What, what do you think is going to be blaring through the speakers most?
1: Well, you got to go with the old uh, old faithfuls, you know, the old standards. Uh, you know, as far as new songs, I'm not an expert on that. But, you know, I, I think of songs like On the Road Again and Hit the Road Jack um, for, for traveling, for summer songs, for on-the-road songs um, – Born to Be Wild by Steppenwolf. I mm. mean, that just seems to transcend all generations. It's it's definitely. I don't think that song was written to be a road song, but it for sure sounds like one. I mean, whenever <laughs> you hear it, you sound like you're uh, hopping on your Harley, getting ready to tool down the road. Uh,
2: what are your top three? What what do you like the most? What, what, what if you're if you're cruising, uh, you know, an hour, two hours away? What are you putting on?
1: Well, I like uh, "Holiday Road" by Lindsey Buckingham because that makes me think of uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, which is like the ultimate road movie. Um, "Take Me Home, Country Roads," man, that song just—that's just a great song. People that people love that song. There was a scene out of NFL, the NFL when they were in Germany playing this past uh, last season and all the german fans were singing take me home country roads are like like the third quarter or something and uh i got to go uh with uh, truckin by the grateful dead i mean that is uh, like the ultimate uh, ultimate road song and cool too <laughs> uh
2: for 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 our family uh, uh my 5 year old is a big fan of the movie cars so life right. is a highway is uh, the yeah. is the one song that must be played uh at the start of every road trip. <laughs> it is non negotiable.
1: <laughs> I want to drive it all night long. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. That's s- for sure is a
2: good uh, Scott, it's great stuff. Uh it's obviously a great time of year and, and it, it to me when you're thinking of a road trip uh you're probably blaring the the music, you're rolling the windows down, you're having a good time with the people you love. Uh I I think it it goes hand in hand uh certainly. Uh Scott Shay, appreciate the time and insight. Good stuff. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you got it.
2: Uh I'd love to hear from you. What, what what do you have on the Look, it it's we are getting into the uh the holiday here. Uh you're probably off today, you got tomorrow off. So if you're uh if you're heading up north, or you're you're just bebopping around town. What what do you have on? Brian, what what are you most likely to have on in the car
3: when when you're when you're tooling around? Well, Chris, uh I I lean you know I lean a little heavier. I would I yeah. for a road trip, I'm going to go uh Judas Priest, head out to the highway, which I love. Nice. And then it's going to go yeah. a left turn for you here. I agree with Scott. I think Holiday Road is a terrific song yeah, and that it's a always great song. makes me feel like driving. And uh I know it's not a really a road song. Uh, but who can it be now? Men at Work. I oh, good one! Great memories of driving around with friends in the summer when that was a new song, and we—that's one that's always on my playlist. It drives my wife nuts. <laughs> this, <laughs> a, this again? It's like yes, this again. I love this song. You know, it's funny. I'm a metalhead too. I'm with you.
2: Um, but when I got the kids in the car and I got the wife in the car, that that doesn't fly. So uh, generally, <laughs> I I try to compromise. And okay, so what what is Something that's commercially liked, but also still uh, kind of wets my palate. Generally, it's like ACDC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Hell's Bells, something like that. Highway to uh, Hell. Uh, highway to Hell. Yep. yep. Certainly. Uh, and, and it may be a little, uh, uh, my son likes um, uh, Guns and Roses, Sweet oh, Child yeah. of Mine. Oh, absolutely. So we can, we, we can dabble in that. So I, I try to find stuff that, that can... Uh, you got you got to find stuff. It doesn't stuff, always work.
3: Especially when kids are little. If you think back to when you were that age... Your mom and dad didn't ask you what you wanted to hear. They just played the radio and what you wanted to hear. just turn it on. And you still listen to those songs, I'll bet, a lot of them. Well, the Senate is going to be
0: looking into the merger between the PGA and Live Golf. Fox's Jared Max reports. Two
2: PGA Tour
0: officials will testify before the United States Senate
4: Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations next week. In regard to the recent merger between the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf's Saudi Public Investment Fund, Ron Price, CEO of the PGA Tour, and board member Jimmy Dunn will both speak on Capitol Hill next Tuesday. Jared Max, Fox News.
0: The FBI has uh, joined the search for two-year-old Winter Smith, uh, who's been missing since yesterday um, when she was allegedly kidnapped by her um, mother's boyfriend, Rashad Trice, who is in custody and not um, cooperating with police on her whereabouts. Police have uh, released a map of his route. If uh, anyone saw anything between 1115 and 1 a.m. Sunday night into Monday morning uh, uh, along eastbound 96 from Lansing to uh, Detroit. And then on 94 from where 96 dead ends into it um, to St. Clair Shores. Call 911. Just an absolutely... Insane video coming out of downtown Allegan on the Kalamazoo River, where um, a f- uh, a firework or fireworks uh, from their Fourth of July display uh, misfired and 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 landed in the crowd, and um, I, it sent people scrambling. It, it kind of looked like one of those old monster movies where some you know where, where the monster was attacking the. Uh, 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 city but but this time it was real Um, be careful out there this 4th of july there's no word on injuries hopefully that means there are very little if any ann arbor city council improved a basic income proposal for 100 income eligible entrepreneurs financial advisor david sowerby discusses the experimental program with tom jordan and lloyd jackson on jr morning
5: the American Rescue Plan. Remember that? The the COVID stimulus that led to a uh, four decade high inflation levels and an extreme increase to the cost of living over the past two years. Remember that thing? Uh it was meant to counter the health and the economic effects of COVID nineteen. Uh Lloyd, we remember COVID nineteen, right? You were you were there. Uh we, yeah. twenty twenty. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Around that time. Well, Ann Arbor says they've got a great idea. Let's use that money from the American Rescue plan that was really meant to help the economic uh, effects of COVID, let's use some of that money to give people a basic income, a monthly salary, uh, another stimulus. So if you're a babysitter, you know, you probably qualify for a monthly government stipend of $525. Um, If you're a clerk at McDonald's, you probably do as well. In fact, if you're a gamer uh, playing whatever you play in your mother's basement, (laughs) you're, you're in as well. You get a basic income of $525 a month because... Um, you know, you're doing you. So basically, it's just a consistent stream of cash payments with no requirements whatsoever. You don't have to work. You don't have to look for a job. You just need to not earn too much money so you can get in on this action uh, from Ann Arbor. 525 bucks a month for free. No questions asked. Good idea. Will this help bridge the labor participation gap, do you think, is it an incentive Uh, to get more people to get a job, or is it not? (laughs) Let's ask David Sowerby, the Managing Director and Portfolio Manager at Encora Bloomfield Hills. Hey, David, welcome to the program.
4: Uh, Very good morning. Great holiday weekend.
5: Yes, I hope you're enjoying yours, and uh, I'm glad you're joining us, uh, taking part of your vacation to join us here on this. What do you make of this? Uh, Universal Basic Income, uh, Ann Arbor, first of all. Is that a good idea, do you think, to help the economy?
4: When I think of when I uh, went to graduate uh, economics at Wayne State, I had this professor, he used to say, uh, wrong idea in an interesting way.
6: <laughs> okay.
4: So I, I can't think of a better way to describe it, which is on the surface, it, it, it sounds compelling. Uh, it's going to try to target what they deem to be entrepreneurs and give them uh, additional income to stabilize their, their lifestyle. That sounds real good on the surface, but then you take a step back and, and say, especially in two, three, four years, five years, can we measure if, if this really worked or not? Because so many of these programs sound very good in the beginning, but then when you go back and quantitatively measure the outcome, you, you begin to see that maybe we're not creating the right incentives to work. And is that having a longer lasting effect? In this case, we're talking about 100 individuals, $1.6 million. So we're not, it's not a federal significant amount of money, but it but it still is a good exercise to see a few years later, did this really work or not?
6: Dave, uh, you know, I understand that Ann Arbor is joining Louisville and Kentucky and Madison, Wisconsin, and a bunch of other cities across the U.S. testing this idea that Recurring cash sets families up for financial success.
4: Well, we got, Lloyd, we have 40, 50 plus years of has that generally worked or not um, debatable, but we go back to the uh, economics 101 of incentives. And if you're trying to draw some parallels here, you you can a bit to the, uh, to the child tax credit, was which was increased during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, expanded for those who were receiving it and out of that the joint committee on taxation did render an opinion to say it reduced income it reduced the the desire to work and it reduced the supply of labor because it did create disincentives now this program is not going to be anywhere near the size of the expanded child tax credit but it does begin to draw some parallels here of good intention What's the
5: outcome? Right. And I I just look at it and think, listen, I've got some dear people in my lives, relatives, who in 2012, they they had expanded unemployment a couple years worth of free money, and that individual flat out told me, there's no way I'm going to start looking for a job. I'm getting free money right now. What's the incentive to go out there? Do you think that individual's mindset is unique? (laughs) Or is that commonplace, do you think? If you're getting a steady flow of cash... Does that lessen the incentive to go out and find a job?
4: Oh, it goes back to the the very famous, often quoted Charlie Munger, right? Warren Buffett's longtime partner. Tell me the incentive, I'll tell you the outcome. <laughs> and w- Michigan is certainly better off for having a state, a city like Ann Arbor w- within our states for all the good reasons that Ann Arbor brings to the state of Michigan. This one, we're going to have to measure it to see what the uh, what the outcome is. Is it more of a disincentive, or does it does it really lead to more economic stability? yeah, free markets will tell us
5: well to that point i mean there's been case studies has haven't there already been i mean you mentioned fifty years of data, and I know we're going to you know wait and find out how this works here, but can't we kind of project to say uh we kind of know what the outcome is going to be
4: we have a good we have a good hypothesis we certainly do uh but that's the beauty of empirical data is you can go back and see what, what was the, what was the outcome of this years later. That, that's the beauty of statistics. It's, it's going to tell us what, what, you know, the economic laws of supply and demand probably take, give us a good idea what the outcome is going to be in the beginning. But we're going to be able to measure this just like we're able to measure the disincentives from, uh, from the expanded child tax credit.
6: And we we don't know what these other cities uh, that are testing this we don't we, we don't really have any data from this because we all they're all doing it all at the same time correct?
4: That's right, Lloyd. Let's call it in baseball terms: it's top of the second inning. We can't measure the outcome of the game. It's still way too early to to be able to quantify it.
5: Mm-hmm. Basic income is what Ann Arbor is going to try to implement here, kind of test it out to see if it works. Um, so, David Sowerby, who we're speaking with with Encore and Bloomfield Hills, we have seen uh, on a number of cases that in just the last three years, whether it be the expanded unemployment rates or uh, Medicaid or the American Rescue Plan in general, an intense amount of fraud that has occurred because whenever there's money that's being given out, the fraudsters are on high alert and they know how to kind of build the system. Do you think there's going to be any measures in place in this situation to prevent fraud? Or any misuse of funds from within this uh, guaranteed income program.
4: Well, given you have a hundred applicants, and and there's probably a better ability to control who gets it and who doesn't. You feel a little bit better about the lack of uh, the lack of fraud taking place this time. You've got university partnering up. The probability is uh, better that it's. It's not gonna, you're not going to see fraud,
5: I would think. It's a small scale, and I would agree with you on that. It's just Ann Arbor, just 100 applicants, a couple of years of you know 525 bucks a month to test it out. My concern is that it grows from here into more of these municipalities around the state of Michigan. We'll see what happens. But always appreciate your perspective. David Sowerby, Managing Director and Portfolio Manager at Encora Bloomfield Hills. Great to talk to you, David. Thanks so much.
4: Thank you. My pleasure. Have a
5: great Independence Day. So I, I guess, Lloyd, the idea of providing this uh, basic income, it, it does. As David said, it sounds good on the surface. You know, you're helping people out. But is it really helping them out in the long term? I guess that's the question. And I guess that's the test to find out when this wraps up in a couple of years.
0: That was David Sowerby on this uh, universal income uh, guaranteed basic income. That's what it's called uh, out in Ann Arbor for 100 income eligible uh entrepreneurs back with tom lloyd nick and the gang it's first thing with mike parsons well the four of us are obviously being punished because we're working on the fourth of
5: july you call this a punishment oh we love talking to our
6: listeners i wouldn't want to be anywhere
5: else me neither not not in bed nope not uh eating breakfast in a cafe nope Nope. Not blowing up fireworks somewhere. In fact... <laughs> Not
0: on the beach. In fact, when I'm at one of those places, I'm like, man, I wish I was in the studio <laughs> with Lloyd Jackson, <laughs> Tom Jordan, and Nick Roddy. Nah, you know what? Yes. It's it, You know what? there There is there is something very free about working on a holiday, isn't there? Like <laughs> it, it, It's little less high stakes. Hey, be- actually,
5: there's truth to that, isn't there? Yeah. It's like working on the weekends. No one's around... Yeah, the, the freeways are free and clear. Free and clear. Yes. It was a nice drive in today. Oh, yeah. I would rather be on the freeway on 696 driving to work than sleeping in my bed, uh, eventually knowing I'm going to wake up to a nice warm cup of coffee and a plate of eggs. <laughs> nah,
0: yeah, right. No, no, we're ve- we're very lucky. This is yeah, the greatest. Is. This is the greatest job in the world. It is. It is. Um, I can't guarantee the pants are going to stay on all show, but we'll see what happens.
6: Oh,
0: though. okay. <laughs> yeah, I not want you to guarantee that. All
6: righty then. Okay. <laughs> oh
0: man. So it, it is the Fourth of July, and um, you know the debate, the debate about ketchup on a hot dog has been raging
6: for. <laughs> Uh, probably since our forefathers. So it's just mustard? You don't put ketchup on a hot dog? Well,
0: you, you know, Lloyd, it's funny you say that. Uh, the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, the NHDSC. Oh, a they trade, letters. That's right. <laughs> that's how you know they're legit. Right. A trade association established by the North American Meat <laughs> Institute, or NAMI, okay. in 1994, has come out. And said that you are never to put ketchup on a hot dog after the age of eighteen.
5: <laughs> and as an I, adult, yeah. so you're less free as an adult than you are. That's what I'm saying. Oh, there's responsibility now. La- I w-
0: last I last I checked, this was America. Yeah, you know, wow. Exactly. I might not uh, like ketchup on my hot dog, but I will fight for your right to put ketchup on your hot dog. I like dog. a
6: little of both <laughs> on my hot dog. I like. Can I? You know, I like a little hot, little uh, mustard and ketchup.
0: The only the only place I put ketchup on a hot dog is when I go to Costco or Sam's Club because that because that that dollar fifty hot dog is not a yeah. hot that's an event. Oh, it
6: yeah. is. That's, yeah, that, no, that absolutely. Uh, any go, of those uh any of those warehouse store hot dogs are
5: great. people go there specifically for that purpose and that purpose alone. Yeah, uh, one of them lives in my house. <laughs> yeah, he's seventeen years old, and he leaves school. that <laughs> He did in his high school the uh, last senior year in high school. So I went to Costco today, Dad. I'm like, Why'd you go to Costco? I went during lunch. What'd you do at Costco during lunch? <laughs> I had a hot dog and a Coke. <laughs> yeah. I had a craving for. I had a craving for twenty four Gatorades. <laughs> that that would not be unlike my son. Can you put tahini on, on hot dogs? Tahini.
0: Wow. Uh, you know, Lloyd. To me, I feel like you could put anything on yeah, a hot
1: dog. I mean,
5: you well, know, as long as it's edible. In the spirit of Independence Day. I, I do feel, and I'll admit, I have been manipulated and intimidated and harassed <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> to not putting ketchup on my hot dog, yeah. only mustard. So uh, when I'm in public, now, when I'm a private, I've been known, but I feel guilty now when I put ketchup on it because of all the talk out there. I believe, in the person's right, as you said earlier, Mike, if someone wants to put hot dog on the thing, put hot, I mean, it's hot dog on the thing. <laughs> See, us early. Put ketchup on the hot dog. Go ahead and do it. You have a right. I won't shame you.
0: Well, I would, you know what, uh, and, and I think, I, I think people who put ketchup on hot dogs, they, they're the true patriots. <laughs> I would yeah. like to look into funding for the NHDSC and NAMI <laughs> and, and see if they get some kind of funding from Big Mustard. Or, or something, right.
5: you Eat know, from Heinz or something, you know, mm-hmm.
0: because this is a very uh rigid rule for a very low stakes, uh <laughs> low stakes issue.
5: I will say this, though. You think it's low stakes, but there are millions of dollars being spent on this particular issue. Have you seen those latest Heinz commercials oh, where they are yeah. Heinz socks, the Heinz fanatics, the ketchup? They're putting ketchup on the hot dogs and they're like, I, you know, that was I fell in love with that person because of that. That that kind of uh, yeah uh advertisement they're pushing back against this gross uh, manipulation and mischaracterization of hot dog fanatic, I'm just kidding. It's not that big of a deal.
0: Well, and and it's funny, you know, because ketchup's having a moment right now. Over the weekend, (laughs) Heinz uh, tweeted something out that uh, lit the Internet on fire. They uh, tweeted out, FYI, ketchup goes in the fridge and it it started this huge debate on where you keep uh, where you keep your ketchup.
5: Mm. Well, why wouldn't you keep it in the fridge?
0: Well, some people say you 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 keep it in the uh some people say A, you keep it in the um pantry?
5: Uh, yeah, in the pantry. Until it's opened and then after that it gets it, botulism if exactly. you don't put it in the fridge. Right.
0: I mean, you, you know, you go. Right? Right. You go to a restaurant and it's kept out on the table, but that's because they go through a lot of ketchup. They're gonna that uh, ketchup's gonna be gone by the time it, it
6: can uh, go bad.
5: I never thought about that actually. Yeah. yeah. So, How long has this ketchup been sitting out? Maybe it's but, not bad,
6: but I wonder. They probably put it in the refrigerator when they close at night. Yeah, at night. yeah,
5: like eighteen hours later. Yeah. Especially so, it's if still good.
6: Especially yeah. if you're frugal. True, but that, I'm with
0: you, Tom. You keep it in the pantry because it's sealed. It's sealed and yes. once you, I, I I keep everything. I keep everything in the fridge.
5: <laughs> I I base this on a uh, an experience I had when I was a kid. We were having dinner and we kept our our ketchup in the pantry. And somebody, my brother, wanted ketchup. Uh, so he grabbed out of the pantry, opened up the thing, and the ketchup was bubbling, Ew. with some type of infestation. Uh-uh. And we found out it was botulism. So we're like, okay, always keep the ketchup in the refrigerator. Wow, That's yeah. What,
0: I wonder if there's a smell test that, you know, like milk. Like milk. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I don't know if you, you if you guys remember this. Nick, you might remember this. When we were kids, uh, th- there was a moment in time where they sold different color ketchups. Hmm. They sold green ketchup. They <laughs> sold purple ketchup. It tasted exactly the same, but it totally <laughs> screwed with your head. Wow. Yeah. Now I've had salt-free. Salt-free ketchup. Yeah, <laughs> salt-free ketchup. And it tastes like ketchup. Well, I was yeah. going to say if but you got no salt, if you got salt on the fries, I feel like that would kind it's, of make up for it. <laughs> yeah, because no. you
6: know, and then you got double salt. You know, yeah. If you, yeah but mm-hmm. it was it was fine. I, I was a little reluctant, but it was good.
0: And mm. that and this is the type of analysis you're going to get on first thing with Mike
6: Parsons here. At least on the a holiday, a,
5: a, on a yeah. July Fourth holiday. Well, we need this early in the morning.
0: It was you know, it's a heavy news day. I said, you know what. When my pals come in, I just want to talk condiments. That's it. <laughs> uh, <we're> I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm just glad we're your pal. I yeah.
5: appreciate that. You're my pal.
0: For a real radio show, stay tuned for J.R. Boarding after the news.